Since last week we talked about sacrifice, and I said that that's what we're going to do as this series going into this season of Lent. The problem is that when you talk about sacrifice, often immediately people equate that with just economics, just, just with money. But the reality is that following Jesus is a whole life sacrifice. It's not just one selective part. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me? We're going to study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this multitude of good opportunities. We pray that we would find multitudes of ways to do something with them. In your name we pray. Amen. So how many of you are familiar with the actor Will Smith? Men in black, that kind of, yep. All right. So Will Smith has gotten to a certain age in life where he felt that he needed to make a bucket list. And unlike many of us who just quietly make our bucket lists and check things off, he has decided to turn it into a, a um, webcast each week. And so each week, he puts up some kind of me video on social media about his bucket list item of the week. And most recently, his bucket list item was to run a marathon except that he's not actually going to run a marathon. He, he's going to run a half marathon. I mean, 13.1 miles, come on. That's nothing, right? Right? You guys do that on a regular basis, I'm sure. So he decides that he's going to run this half marathon down in Havana, Cuba. And he's making the video, and, and he's talking about how great this is going to be and how he's always wanted to run a marathon. And then his friend who is with him in the video, he, he says, well, uh, when was the last time that, that you ran that kind of mileage? And, and Will Smith thought about it, and he's like, well, never. And then they, then they talk about it a little bit more, and, and Will admits that it's been at least three or four months since he's been in a gym. So he's just going to go out there and do it. And, and I, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because I think 13.1 miles, I mean, come on, what are we talking, like maybe mm, from here to the airport? I don't even know if that's 13 Miles, But what I thought we could do is we could see how easy it is if we all just left here today and instead of driving, you guys run 13.1 miles and Sung and I will meet you at the emergency room <laughs> at, at the end. But it sounds really good, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound impressive, 13.1 miles? You've seen those people that, that stick that on the back of their cars because they want you to know how great they are at their running. And, and you can tell people that you, you ran a half marathon. There are so many things in life that sound really great when you say them, but it is a whole different reality when you go about trying to accomplish them. It's not that they're impossible. There are people that run half marathons. Julia Dutchhaver does this on a regular basis for some insane reason. But it's not something that you just wake up one day and decide, oh, today I'll just go out and do this. It, it's, these are things that, that take work, that you have to commit to, that you have to put some focus and attention on. And that's the kind of sacrifice that we're going to be talking about this morning. In, in, in our adult book study, we started with this conversation about revivals. And remember that revivals are an important part of, of our American history, our Christian American history um, heavily influenced by Billy Graham. People would get together by the hundreds and thousands under tents, and they'd, they'd literally come to Jesus. And so what would happen would be that 
that you get around all these people who were all excited about the same thing, and they'd hear this powerful message and energetic music, and they'd get swept up in all of the activity, and they'd be invited forward, and they could receive Jesus into their hearts. There's people in our congregation who came to know the Lord through revivals. But the idea with revivals was that you'd, you'd come, you'd get to know Jesus, you'd accept him into your heart, you'd walk out of the tent, you'd get hit by a Mack truck, and you were good to go to heaven. That was the idea. And, and that seems really, really great in theory, except that guess what happened? Not everybody got hit by a Mack truck right away. And, and so then then people were having to face this reality that there might be some distance between that point where you come to Jesus and you get hit by the Mack truck, and what are you going to do in that in-between time? Because all of us, I would say, are going to have a pretty substantial gap between those two events. So that's what we want to talk about this morning. It is one thing to say, I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to run a half marathon. It's a different thing to actually do it. So here in the Gospel of Luke, we're glimpsing this episode of interaction between Jesus and some folks who have been really taken with his ministry. A couple weeks ago, we were talking about the transfiguration. This is post-transfiguration. So these are people who have heard Jesus preach. They've seen some of his miracles. They're really excited about it, so much so that they strike up a conversation with him. As they're going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' response to that is, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Seems like a really odd response to someone who's so enthusiastic about following you. What does that even mean? Jesus is trying to help this person understand what following him would actually look like. If I asked you all to follow me, you, you might not be able to account for where I am every second of the day, but you could realistically bet that following me is going to include being at my house, being here at the church, going to my kids' school, possibly going to the store. So following me, it's, it's pretty predictable. It's a low-risk affair other than the drive home from elementary school, which is the most unpredictable 20 minutes of my day every day. But otherwise, um, it's pretty safe. Jesus is saying that following him, though, that's a whole different deal. Because in that moment, the person who said, I'm going to follow you, has no idea where they're following Jesus to. If Jesus was a fox, he'd go, they'd go to a hole. If he was a bird, to a nest. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Following Jesus is an unpredictable experience. And it's not always comfortable. And the one thing that we modern Christians love is our comfort. Consider how much discussion churches put into the kind of seating that they have in their worship centers. Do you ever wonder what kind of pew cushions Jesus purchased for the Sermon on the Mount? How much time he put into everybody's comfort? 
See, we want, we want to follow Jesus, we do, but, but we don't want to be uncomfortable and we most assuredly do not want to be inconvenienced. So to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow, Jesus sounds like a real jerk in this. He really does. This is awful. This poor man's father has just died. And Jesus says, come on, let's go. Except, except for this. The man's father is still alive. He wasn't dead. See, back in Jesus' day, this was an expression. And the expression was to indicate, look, I'll be able to do whatever you want to do after I get my inheritance. So what's happened is not that the father is dead, but that the son is waiting around for dad to kick the bucket so that he can get his money, at which point it will be comfortable for him to go and follow Jesus. So yes, Jesus, I will follow you, but I need to wait until my circumstances, mostly my economic ones, are just right. And this man is depending on his earthly father for his economic security. He wants to have some kind of stability before he commits to following Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's a faith issue. That's us saying, let us get ourselves on stable economic ground. And then and only then we'll take a calculated risk on Jesus. And if Jesus happens to fall through, well, the good news is we at least have a backup plan. We have a safety net. That's hard to hear, isn't it? Because all of us struggle with this exact issue. Yes, Jesus, I will follow you, but let me get a million in the bank first. Let me wait and see how my retirement portfolio looks this year. Let me see what's left over after Jimmy's orthodontic bill comes in. When Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God, he's guiding the listener to see that the ways of the world and out in the larger world, even the spiritually dead participate in everyday activities with everyday organizational challenges to their time and finances. He's saying that, that let them go and do all that kind of stuff, but you need to make the kingdom of God a priority. Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't bury the dead. He's not saying that we shouldn't care for our loved ones in their time of need, but he's saying that we have to stop hiding behind our excuses when it comes to following him. So imagine the response to the next potential follower who says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at home. Now this is the one that should hit all of us the closest. How many of us have done that, continue to do that? I will have more time when the kids are out of the house. I will volunteer when I retire. Let me get married and buy a house and get settled, and then we'll see what I can do. I'd love to go on the mission trip, but I only get so much vacation. I'd love to serve at Our Daily Bread, but Sundays are the only day that I actually have free. So Jesus' response to this is, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back 
is fit for the kingdom of God. This is such a confusing passage because Jesus is responding in all kinds of weird ways. What does farming have to do with saying goodbye to those at home and following Jesus? Well, it's all about your focus and what your priorities are. When you plow fields by hand or even not by hand, you still have to pay attention to what is in front of you because if you veer off course, you not only lose the road that you're working on, but you can wreck the entire field. So when you plow, you have to maintain that focus of going forward. And even if you've never plowed a field before, you, you can understand this concept if you've ever driven a car. Very few of us are adept at moving a vehicle forward while we are looking backwards. Don't believe me? Go drive on Cortez Road right? Very few of us can do this. That's almost the exact definition of distracted driving. You can't move the car forward and look backwards at the same time. Jesus is not anti-family. He was part of a family. He loved his parents. There's no part of this where Jesus is suggesting that we abandon our families and disrespect our parents. Truthfully, if we're really following Jesus, we're actually probably doing a better job of caring for our families, at least from a faith perspective. All Jesus is saying is that when it comes to following him, it's an all or nothing affair. You can't half Jesus. Now, I get that some of us might hear that and say, okay, well, then I'm out. I'm out. I love Sunday football too much to follow Jesus. I value my warm, comfortable bed too much to risk it for Christ. My faith matters just not as much as fill in the blank. And here's the craziest thing that you're going to hear me say all day. If that's where you are, that's okay. That's okay. Because Jesus issued you an invitation, not a legal summons. He is not going to force you into following him. But he's also not going to be used at your convenience. And that's why I say you can't half Jesus. That's how you become a hypocrite. There's a difference between half following Jesus and being an imperfect follower. I've never tried to plow a field before, but I did mow the lawn as a kid. Remember, I grew up in the country, lots of wide open space. And especially in the beginning, I could never do it the way that my dad did it. Dad always had these beautifully cut rows and he did that crisscross design that, that people do. But I really really, really wanted to mow the lawn. But I was also 10, and my attention span was that of a gnat. So each Saturday morning, I would be all over mowing the lawn. And within two rows, I'd be all over the lawn. That's totally different. Totally different than being dragged out there by my dad and being forced to mow the lawn. I wanted to do it. It's just that, especially in the beginning, I made a lot of mistakes. Following Jesus requires us to give up our excuses. It's about sacrificing what the world has convinced us is so utterly important and staying focused on where Jesus is moving so that we can follow him wherever it is that he's going to go. There's a difference between saying that you are going to run a marathon, training for one day and assume that you've checked that box, 
or saying that you're going to run a marathon, you train for a year, you get distracted for a couple weeks, you get right back up, you keep going, and you actually run the marathon. Do you see that those are two very different things? Because one person actually trained for a marathon, albeit imperfectly, and the other one just talked about it and pretended to do something about it. Disciples make the initial sacrifice to follow Jesus, but then they get up every single day, and they do it again and again and again. And sometimes, sometimes we get it wrong, and sometimes we are far from perfect. Many times we are far from perfect, but a disciple will get up again the next day and keep trying and keep going. And every now and again, we're going to get very distracted and we're going to start looking back and we lose our footing. Don't you think that with all of that walking and climbing that Jesus' original disciples did, that some of them lost their footing too? Don't you think that somewhere along the way, in all of their travels, and all of their physically following Jesus, they fell down? They got banged up, scraped up, that they had some setbacks. The good thing, though, is that they were still close enough to Jesus that he could hear them when they fell and stop back by around to pick them back up again. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we, we confess that many of us, many, many, many of us, are great excuse makers. We are totally going to, but. And so we pray, Lord, that, that you help us. You help us to focus and prioritize. And that for those who make that choice to follow you, that they understand that, that when they fall down, when they make a wrong turn, that's not the end of the journey. That your grace is sufficient and that you will put us back on the right path. But help us to recognize that the choice is ours, and if we make it, it comes with some sacrifice. In your name we pray. Amen.